The Bible reading this morning is from Matthew, and it's chapter 7, starting at verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Amen. Thank you, Pippa. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Ah, good to be with you all this morning. It's always good, isn't it, to gather together for worship. But this morning feels particularly good with so many faces that we haven't seen while we've been at the school. And so welcome to everyone. This is your first week here. Just lovely to be with each other and for Liz to be leading and Benji to be doing a bleep test during <laughs> my lighthouse. Um, let's uh, pray. And, and great to hear from you, Phil and Wendy. And do chat to Phil and Wendy over tea and coffee and ask them any more questions like Sky Sports and things like that. That was important, Roy. Um, <laughs> Lord Jesus, uh, as we um, come to this passage, your great sermon on the mount. Uh, I pray that we'd have soft and open hearts and ears to hear what you might be saying to us. Uh, Lord, may we only be challenged in so much as you are actually challenging us. Um, Come Holy Spirit. Amen. So, wrestled a fair bit uh, over the title to this sermon series. Initially, I thought it would be, um, we call it the practices of Jesus, and it would be a good Lenten uh, study of the Sermon on the Mount. We might look at prayer and fasting and maybe um, keeping the Sabbath, uh, things like that. Uh, And then I I actually read the Sermon on the Mount. I read it loads of times, but I 
found it terrifying <laughs> as I read it through uh, a few times this time around. And um, the Sermon on the Mount, it's a vision of human potential. Um, I found it, it's like staring into a mirror and I've not found so much the things that I've seen looking back at me. It's very easy to become quite settled on the Christian journey thinking, I'm doing quite well. I'm on the road. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm together. And as I read the Sermon on the Mount, just um, become aware of uh, weakness, of uh, selfishness, of um, so many areas of my life where I'm not formed in the way of Jesus. Uh, I thought, why are we doing this? Why are we doing a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount? We could do something else. <laughs> and as I've come closer and closer to us doing this, uh, have thought that more and more, and yet somewhat committed as to Jamie has asked those to preach, etc. Um, so uh, after talking, particularly with my friend Johnny at Fountains, who settled on this title, Boundaries, inviting Jesus to be formed in us through our words, thoughts, habits, and actions. Um, does anybody struggle with boundaries? Anyone struggle with boundaries? Dave, David does. <laughs> Don't say something horrible about Pam. <laughs> um, is anyone finding their relationship with technology somewhat problematic? Yes, um, uh, struggling with the balance between work, play, and rest. Um, struggling with uh, sleep, diet, and exercise. Uh, that becoming, that there being enough, not too much, and not an obsession, etc. Uh, and then you feel anxious about not and get, getting these things right, and looking over your shoulder at the people next to you and think they seem to have this quite dialed in and are doing quite well but actually they're struggling almost certainly just as much as you in all of these things. Um, I'm going to hear in a few weeks' time about Jesus' teaching on prayer. Go into your room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in heaven. How do you actually do that? Not what you do when you get there, but how do you end up praying in your room with your door shut? I mean, that doesn't happen by accident. You don't trip up and find yourself there, oh, I'm here, may as well pray. Um, <laughs> um, it takes intention and practice and habit and boundaries around all the other things that you could be doing in that moment. And um, each of us might have different challenges. Uh, I think for many of us, um, it is, uh, have you ever heard the phrase doom scrolling? It's doom scrolling, you do it on social media where you just... Uh, swipe up to see what happens next. But you also can do it on BBC, on the news app as well. That You can just find yourself, uh, I'll just scroll one more time and see what happens. That, for me, is a huge distraction. And then there's this new thing. I'm aware, oh, <laughs> um, when I say the word TikTok, some people think it's like a foreign country. <laughs> just so not aware of it. Um, but now this kind of thing of um, social media reels, where there's just a, maybe a 20-second clip. Oh, man, that, that's like a time wormhole. Where you get stuck down, and uh, you can easily lose 10 or 20 minutes down there. Um, and, and so 
if when I talk about social media and things like that, it sounds like I'm talking about a foreign country, then um, there will be other things in your life that inevitably will need tending to. The desert fathers and mothers, when they fled civilization in the fourth century, I don't think they weren't fleeing TikTok. There must have been other things. I have no idea what they were. <laughs> there must have been other things to which um, distracted and enticed their soul that they were fleeing from. Um, before we look at today's passage, I just want to share briefly uh, some thoughts about grace and works. Jesus says very clearly in this passage that following him is hard work. It's like training in righteousness, resisting evil and delighting in the good. It is tough. He, he says that. But he also sell, says elsewhere in this gospel, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Do you know, without the knowledge that Jesus, the one who shares this most challenging of sermons, is also the friend of sinners and the one who is close to the wobbly uh, and to the weak and to the ones who don't always get it right, um, the, the one who's loved me since the moment I was conceived, um, who desires union with me so there is nothing in between us, um, that uh, when I come to him in need of love and reassurance, he has promised, something we've talked a few times, the promise in John's gospel, those who comes to, come to me, I will never drive away. He's promised if we come to him, he'll always, always receive us. If it wasn't that it's that Jesus who shares this sermon, I would just throw it away and run away uh, and because it's terrifying. But his law is held within his grace. He describes himself as gentle with us, as um, a shepherd with lambs, as a mother hen gathering chicks under her wing. Uh, passages we'll read are very difficult, but they are shared by kindness incarnate. When we look at these words, we can think, oh, I'm so far away from this ideal. How could he possibly love me? And that is the scandal at the heart of the gospel, is he loves you. doesn't love you because of who you might be. He loves you because of who you are. He doesn't love you because of some equation that was balanced on the cross, even though it's very important. He loved you before that, and that's why he died. He loves you from beginning to end, and because you are you, um, not because of something you're not. And yet, in his love, he desires to grow you, to mature you, until the Son of God is formed in you, until you are like Jesus um, until you are changed and you actually live the Sermon on the Mount, um, not out of, uh, out of the goodness that is in you. That goodness comes out of your life, out of the goodness that he is cultivating in you, even if it were to take 10,000 years. Um, and that's actually why Catholics believe in purgatory. Because if he desires union with me, in all of my brokenness, how might I be changed? 
There doesn't seem to be enough years in this life to achieve that kind of change. Um, uh, All of the ways that I hurt myself and hurt other people. How could I possibly reach the stage of being so lovely, fully grown, mature? This is for you too. Full of compassion towards the hurting, just as he was. Um, These teachings, they're not meant as a punishing regime for sinners, but on a climb towards making ourselves worthy of God's love. But instead, they're a curriculum in the way of those Jesus has called saints, little ones, his children, until he is formed in us, until we're shaped after him. I don't know what happens um, when we die. I know it's very disappointing for a vicar to say that. (laughs) Um, But I can see why Catholic theologians came up with the idea of purgatory. It's not in the Bible directly, but it's logical because I'm not making very good progress, (laughs) and I might need 10,000 years. Um, uh, I I want to begin, but but this is what I know I want, regardless of whether there is a purgatory or not. I'm not going to answer that question. I might get some emails for even mentioning that word. Um, But regardless of whether there is or isn't, um, I want to begin that process of growing and maturing in Christ now. And... Maybe that's what it means to inhabit eternal life, as we talked in a series previously. To live life with Jesus now, rather than waiting for some future heaven or some future purgatory. Um, So we're going to talk about freedom and formation. Uh, Freedom. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. A great Danish philosopher described a modern understanding of freedom in her well-known anthem, Queen Elsa, Queen of Arendelle, (laughs) sums up the feeling of our age. Um, No right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. Let it go, let it go. I'm one with the wind and waves. <laughs> sky, <laughs> waves and sky. <laughs> um, uh, and I, I think that's why I find the Sermon on the Mount so challenging. It's because it runs against the grain of how freedom is expressed in our culture. Self-expression. Follow your heart. If it feels good and doesn't hurt anyone, carry on. Um, In a biblical worldview, the New Testament would describe this in the complete counterway. They describe this as slavery, uh, of not being free, being a slave to our appetites, to our passions, to the gods of culture. Enough money is never enough. The, the, The fact that money might be able to bring you security ultimately is a lie. Um... That beauty is fleeting, that we quench our thirst from salty wells uh, that never truly satisfy instead of coming to the one who said that I will quench your thirst and satisfy you. A biblical worldview and a modern Western worldview may be the way of the world's always been. Maybe not should be down on the West too much. Um, They are opposed to each other. It's... It's so stark, and Jesus says there is a broad path, 
and it leads to destruction. Because every human being is inflicted with what Jesus in the Bible calls sin, and a word that I think is uncomfortable. Um, and there ha- we have that famous verse in Romans, that the wages of sin is death. But what if it is is because death is the result of sin rather than a punishment for sin? What if that is what happens when things go untended, when the weeds are allowed to grow, when we follow our own appetites, cultural assumptions, and enticed by dark forces, which um, Jesus calls the devil? What if this ultimately leads to death? I was reading um, John Stott, uh, who has a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, and um, I was just, I read, yeah, <laughs> found Jesus' words challenging, and then found John Stott's commentary on the Sermon on the Mount also challenging. <laughs> and um, he describes the broad path. He just says this is suicide road. Um, and uh, I, found, I found that language difficult, but then I, you know, you think, how do sheep get lost? Well, sheep get lost one nibble at a time. <laughs> um, it's the path of least resistance and soft distractions. Whereas Jesus says there is another path, one that embraces struggle, that knows that true freedom is found in the ability to make a choice, to be able to choose between the good and the evil, life and death. And um, Honestly, for me, I often feel that I don't have a choice uh, when I, uh, the way that I live my life. I just do things. But Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to have agencies that you can actually choose between um, these things. I suppose what I'm hoping to tease out over these next few weeks is how do we actually follow Jesus? <laughs> and um, how do we enter through the narrow gates? Uh, and, and why would you want to if it's so hard? Um, my life already feels quite hard um, and would rather not make it harder. And yet, what if this is what Jesus is inviting us into, that this is, this is life lived at, at the heights, at the tops? Um, and how, how do we do this whilst knowing that his burden is easy, uh, his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light and he's gentle with us? Um, formation. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house. And it fell. And how great was it <laughs> with a great crash. Um, I mentioned earlier about one of the unhelpful ways I think uh, followers of Jesus have interpreted the Sermon on the Mount in the past. That the whole point of Jesus sharing this sermon was to realize how hopeless human beings were and how desperately in need of grace uh, they actually are. And I, you know, I, uh, I think I probably preached that. And I think it's, it's right, but it's just not the only way to look at this. And maybe not the most helpful. Um, I also believe that there is a grace-fueled obedience. That Jesus' actual desire 
was that we grow in following him in his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, um, which is the very essence of the way that Jesus is formed in us. Both of these builders, they hear the word, but only one of them actually practices the word. So we see that practice is really important in the process of formation and transformation. You actually have to do things and this is the travesty of the Western church. And, 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 and maybe part of the unexpected fallout of the Reformation that happened 500 years ago. Amazing truths rediscovered, but a focus on thinking the right things rather than living the right way and, and practicing the way of Jesus. Um, Neil Cole, a writer that I really love, he says... Um, Western Christians are educated far beyond their obedience. Uh, uh, that scares me because it's me. <laughs> I'm educated way beyond my obedience. Um, everyone is in a, pro- everyone, all of us are in a process of becoming. You are being formed. Um, you may not be able to notice the difference between today and tomorrow. But in 10 years, when we meet, especially if we hadn't seen each other, there will be a noticeable difference in our character and in the shape of our lives, maybe the shape of our bodies. Um, We are being formed. Are you being formed in the way of the world or the way of Christ? This is one of the reasons I find the the sermon so uncomfortable, is Jesus constantly speaks in binaries. And I wish he didn't. I wish he talked about the middle way <laughs> and, and um, the way you could uh, inhabit um, kind of maybe a softer curriculum for growth. But he doesn't seem to leave that open to us. He says, you have to choose. It, it, it's my way or a different way. And please hear, I find this uncomfortable. But, and yet I have become convinced this is God's word to us. Can you recognize the way you're being formed by the world? I find my phone forming me. Um, Honestly, I find my ability to concentrate fragmented, I think, because of how I constantly unlock my phone to do something. I mean, I've blocked so many things on my phone that I basically unlock it to stare at the home screen. (laughs) There's nothing to do except compulsively check the weather, which I've decided is fine. <laughs> yeah. And now um, the, you know, the algorithms, you heard this word algorithm, it's like complicated maths, where they're learning about me, learning about me in order to sell me things and to work out how I tick, um, to market to me. But not, now, not just to learn about me, but to shape me. They've got so clever that they're forming the way I think and think about the world, think about myself. Um, uh, looking at, I'm preaching later at Fountains where um, TikTok would be a real problem for many people, but I'm imagining uh, some of, maybe some of us. <laughs> um, but th- there's this thing, um, TikTok, uh, uh, well, it's, it's, it's like Instagram or Facebook, but um, even more potent. And um, it accesses the front-facing camera. It's allowed, to, when you download it, there's a whole bunch of things. It says tick, 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 tick. One of them is, we will have access to your front-facing camera. So it, 
it sees um, your facial expressions and where your eyes go uh, on, um, in order to really get to know you and carry on feeding things that will keep you there. Uh, that's something like George Orwell, 1984, <laughs> I think. Actually, probably more Brave New World. Um, uh, that's scary. Um, John Mark Comer, uh, in his book Live No Lies, writes um, about the process of formation for good or ill. You know, this is uh, formation in the way of Christ or formation in the way of the world. Uh, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a destiny. James Clear, in his book, uh, Atomic Habits, which I think is the best book written on discipleship to Jesus, written by someone who doesn't seem to know Jesus. <laughs> um, he, he writes, for better or worse, human beings are a product of their good and bad habits played out over time. Um, some of us um, will be blessed by our workplaces to have pension pots. And um, these pots uh, compound over time. That's why you reach a point where you can retire, uh, because the interest has, has grown in the account. Um, and uh, habits compound over time, but not in a linear way. We think, you know, we put something in, we get something out. Uh, but that doesn't happen with your pension. Uh, it grows over time. And it does, also doesn't happen with uh, our habits. There's a valley of disappointment where um, you try hard working in the way of Jesus, uh, working on certain good habits or, or resisting uh, bad habits, and it feels like nothing is changing. Um, uh, but that's because our good habits, we are becoming someone, and these things compound over time, and yet... Uh, there's this valley of disappointment. As I wrote this, I found myself thinking, what if the whole of this life is a valley of disappointment? <laughs> I know, it's terrible, isn't it? Very emo, um, a, a veil of tears. <laughs> um, sometimes it feels like that. Um, looking at this passage again, notice, until the storms come, you can't tell the difference between these houses, these lives. Um, but the difference in the foundation is practice. It's doing, it's embodying, it's inhabiting these habits now. I feel like my life is stormy and have um, braced some serious storms, particularly over the last year or two years. And you know, just me, forgetting about anyone else, I found that these storms have revealed areas of my life that were less healthy than I thought. Um, but instead of feeling condemned by God, I felt his welcome. I felt his embrace. When I've needed to know in his love, he has been an ever-present help in troubled times. When like, like, just like, when like a child, when like Ivy and Zeke come to me when they've hurt themselves, um, I've felt his reassurance and his love. But I, I want to dig down in those foundations uh, so that they're foundations of rock because I think probably there's more storms coming in the future. Probably. <laughs> um, and um, 
Jesus says this is about practice. It's about doing, following Jesus. It's the crucial part of our formation. Uh, news for you, probably. <laughs> storms are coming in your life. Uh, personal storms, storms in our nation, uh, worldwide storms. Um, uh, whether it is war, plague, or famine, just, these things are coming. Um, and Jesus is, is inviting us into the way of practice of intentionally ordering our lives after his pattern, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and it's that these practices shape us. Uh, our thoughts shape the practices, and the practices shape our thoughts. Works both ways. Um, this isn't life hacks. This is like gardening. It's uh, pulling up the weeds and tending, watering, and feeding those things that we want to see grow. And, and, and why? Well, why? Um, it's so that we can be transformed in order that we may be able to love God and love our neighbor in the way that Jesus does, the way that he sampled that goodness would burst out of your life from the goodness that is in you until Jesus is formed in you. So ending. Um, Jesus is the friend of sinners, weak ones, those whose upbringing and first formations have left them looking at a steeper mountain to climb than others of us. Uh, he's a friend to the traumatized and to the mentally and physically unwell. He is gentle with us and he desires our growth and our freedom. Um, he desires that our habits, the autopilot stuff that we do, the way that we just react to things, uh, that we live within the boundaries that he teaches so that goodness bursts out of goodness that's grown in us. I'm just going to ask the Lord two questions. Uh, just going to pause for a little bit and ask the Lord two questions. What's one good habit that you want me to tend to, to grow, to feed? Uh, it could be speaking well of others always. Um, prayer, journaling, reading scripture. Might be going for a daily walk. Um, beginning therapy or counseling. Uh, reading or listening to devotional books. And what is one bad habit that you want me to gain freedom or agency in? It could be some form of addiction. Um, could be compulsive reading of the news cycle or um, pornography or um, compulsive use of dating apps. Um, and, uh, that's probably more for fountains, actually. But I think we will have friends and stuff. Um, uh, could be gossip or obsession with money or habitual envy, recognizing you've got these thought patterns in your head, etc., etc. And um, before we pause and ask the Lord, I want to say uh, two things. We are asking the Lord to show us one thing <laughs> in each area, not make a list of a hundred things. If we sat down, we could come up, I could come up with a hundred things, probably quicker than anything, particularly on the bad habits. Um, but he is kind and he only lays on us as much as we can bear. And I think, as I was preparing, he only wants to tell us one thing. And so just leave with one thing in both areas. And the second thing is, um, there's risk as we think about these things, particularly. The risk, as I read the Sermon on the Mount, is I feel condemned. 
feel uh, not enough. And it's, that's when we need to remind ourselves the truth of the gospel, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That it's not about earning his love. He loves you um, completely and fully. This is about growing. Um, so as we pause, there might be a sense where you feel a sorrow over what we might call sin. And that's, that's good, actually. That's appropriate. Um, but there also might be a potential that you feel as you allow yourself to become introspective and reflect, you feel con- condemned. Uh, and um, that's when you need to remind yourself of the truths of the gospel, that, that, you're, that you're loved because of who you are. Uh, Martin Luther discovered the amazing truths of God's love and grace, and yet, even though he knew this, he really struggled all the way through his life with thinking, it's true for everyone else, but I don't know whether it's true for me. At least it doesn't feel true. Um, and he, he, Martin Luther was quite a crass man. I'm not sure we should follow Jesus, don't follow Martin Luther. But he said, um, uh, when I feel condemned, I fart at the devil. <laughs> and so just remind yourself of that in that moment if you um, uh, feel in this moment of introspection. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, we, before we are led in prayers, um, I, we've probably all, we, some of you might have brought a pen and a pencil. Probably all of us have a device in our, most of us have a device in our pocket which we can write down Uh, what we might hear the Lord share with us. We talked all about habits. Let's be quiet for two minutes as we reflect, and then I'll pray, um, uh, welcoming and asking the Lord to speak to us about one thing that he wants us to grow and one area of weeds in our life that he wants us to pull up. Lord Jesus, you are kindness incarnate. And, um, Lord, thank you so much for the way you love me, for the way you love us. Um, Not out of uh, being your little projects, um, and you love us because of who you're going to make us, but you just love us as we are. And yet, you desire our growth uh, and maturing. Um, until we are lovely through and through. Holy Spirit, I invite you to shape us after the pattern of Jesus. Lord, I want to give you access to my habits, those things that I do automatically that shape who I am and will shape who I am over the decades. Lord, we desire that you are birthed in us, that we put on Christ. Lord, we, we are your forgiven people, loved ones, saints. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.